0: The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames." But Abraham said, child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that they may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. When I come to read this story every three years as it comes through our lectionary cycle, I like to imagine Jesus beginning with the words, Once upon a time. Now this is, it's understandable that Jesus did not use that phrase. It had not been spoken or or used. It didn't come along until the 1890s with Charles Perrault. He was the author of of moral lessons like that of Little Red Riding Hood and Cinderella. However, much like those tales of morals, today's parable carries a rather weighty important moral lesson for us to consider so once upon a time there were two people who lived in the very same world in the very same community but both experienced the world in very different ways one's name was Lazarus the other was dives dives is the latin name or latin word for rich man by the way Dives lived by dining on fine foods and and wearing the nicest and the finest clothes of the day. He lived his life in in relative comfort most of his days. Lazarus, on the other hand, slept many nights at the gates of dives in in his home. His daily companions were the pains of an empty stomach and ill health. And it seems his immune system was so weak that he had oozing sores on his body. And the only medical care he got was from the dogs that lived on the streets with him. That was his life. He survived by eating the leftovers from the tables of those like dives, but he never sat at those tables. And one day, both dives and Lazarus die. And they happen to meet in the afterlife. Afterlife. Yet, in this new world beyond, this, this new reality, everything's turned upside down, and everyone's circumstances have been completely reversed. Dives is in Hades. He's been buried. And he lived every day struggling in the torment of the heat and with thirst. Lazarus, on the other hand, is with Father Abraham. He now knew comfort, and he now knew an eternal peace that he had never experienced on this side of life. Now, even so this is the case, they're not, it seems, completely separated because they can communicate with one another. And Dives looks up one day and sees Lazarus with Abraham and and calls out. It seems to give him hope, but it's a cruel hope. For he calls out to Abraham and and tells Abraham to send Lazarus over by dipping his finger in water and at least letting a drop of water fall On the tip of his tongue to give him some relief. Abraham expresses sympathy. He begins by calling him child, an endearing phrase, an endearing word, child. But he tells him, there's nothing I can do for you now. Abraham points out this wide chasm that exists between the two of them, and it's so wide no one can cross over in either direction. Dive's hopes are are devastated at this news, and he comes to terms with the fact that nothing will save him. But there comes another slim glimmer of hope for Dive's. He thinks about his family, and he thinks maybe he can help his brothers, even if he can't help himself. So he calls back over that divide again to Abraham and and says, raise Lazarus up from the dead. Send him to my, my five brothers and my family and so that they don't make the same mistakes I've made. And hopes, once again, are dashed. And Abraham essentially tells him that, your brothers, they shouldn't need a miracle to take care of the poor. They already have Moses, and they have the prophets. They know this, and it's up to them to do that. And and no miracle is going to cause them to change, even if someone is raised from the dead. And so it seems, as this story comes to a close, that not everyone lives happily ever after, to coin, to use yet another phrase in the 1600s and 1700s moral tales. But what is the moral lesson here for us? What are we to to glean? What are we to to hear? How how is this supposed to impact us? Is it to show us that we shouldn't be as hard-hearted or as mean as those like dives? I can't think so because... Abraham speaks to him kindly, endearing language. He, and, and, and Dives obviously sees the errors of his ways where he is. He doesn't want his loved ones to make the same mistakes, albeit it's too late for him now. Is it to show us that those who are rich can't get to heaven or, or can't understand the Gospels? No, because we have other stories where Jesus has asked the rich man to, to give away everything he had If he wants to follow, he grumbles, he doesn't like it, he's disappointed, but he doesn't refuse. We have the tax collector who his whole life had been stealing and and taking too many taxes from those to pad his own pockets, and he repents of that and gives back much of his wealth. Yes, Jesus says it's harder for us, but it is not impossible for us. So that's not our lesson here. So is it material property and the sharing of it giving everything that we have. Well, this is harder to answer, maybe. Maybe. Yes, but only in part. Why do I say only in part? Well, the, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. often spoke about poverty and workers' rights. And in his understanding and reading of this text, and in his speech about poverty, he says that dies went to hell not because he was rich, but because he passed by Lazarus every day and never really saw him. Dives went to hell because he allowed Lazarus to become invisible to him and because he didn't see him as a brother or a fellow child of Father Abraham. And in fact, there is nothing in this parable that tells us that dives did not give to Lazarus. It's quite possible that Lazarus sat at his gate because he did give him food on a daily basis after his tables had been cleared, of course. And what seems obvious, and I believe that King points out well, you might have noticed that dives talks around Lazarus, even in Hades. Even when he recognizes his ways, he he still can't seem to to name Lazarus, to speak to him, but, but goes around him instead of acknowledging him fully. In short, he continued to fail in this. He didn't see him as an equal, much less a brother and a fellow child of God. And that Jesus frames this in the context of life and death and eternity adds weight to what this story has to teach us, I believe. It it carries with it more than just this idea of caring for those in need. It goes further than that. There are eternal consequences here to consider. Now, there's no hint here of the idea that we get back what we give in return. I want to offer that's not really that biblical when you think about it because scripturally we give back expecting nothing in return. It's about simply giving because that's who we are called to be. And the root of this eternal struggle that still remains with us this very day has everything to do with the willingness to love and our ability to love and the depth for which we are able to love. Now, we know that we struggle to love. We know that we fall short in this. But the problem is we often fail to love those for whom we make Strangers. And so it seems that we are to ponder the consequences of of this problem in this life, yes, but also in the life to come. The Reverend Amy Richter tells a story about a dying father's last days with his children. It had been a difficult day, and the son had been with his dad all day, and he was tired, and and it had been a, a, well, a hard day. His dad was a little grumpy, you might say, and the son was hoping the sister would come soon to relieve him, to give him a bit of a break. He was looking at his watch, and he was holding his coat in his arms and waiting for her to come through the door so he could go and and rest. And it was in that moment the father asked him a question he did not expect. What do you think happens to us after this life? Well, given the struggles of the day and, and the contention that they had dealt with, talking about love wasn't at the top of the son's list at the moment. And so he decided maybe it's better to show my father what I would say as opposed to tell him what I'd say. And so he lay down into the bed with his father. And he asked his dad, said, Dad, do you love me? His dad said, well, you know I love you. Yeah, I do, Dad. But let me ask you, how much of our ability to love do you think we actually use in this life? 10%? And his dad, always a bit contrary, says... 15%. And his son laughed a little bit. and said, okay, 15% then it is. And so he reached over and touched his dad's chest, his chest rather than he touched his dad's chest. He goes, so in heaven, Dad, we will love 100%. And the point of this parable, I believe, is to remind us that we are made to be in right relationship with each other, with God, With Lazarus's and with the strangers. 100% of the time. But we create these chasms that stand between us. We create distances that make it difficult and sometimes impossible to love as we're supposed to love. We disappoint and we fail those we love. And sometimes our love becomes restrained and it gets all tangled up. And the difficulties of life. And we carry around things like hard feelings and mistrust and, and guilt and anger for so long that it constrains our ability to love anyone fully, including ourselves. And Jesus wants us to see this. He wants us to understand this. But he also wants us to see that when we're not, unable to love, when we're not able to love those who are the most vulnerable, those who live in the realities of of poverty or oppression or abuse or social isolation for any reason the consequences of not loving are more dire than we could have imagined Jesus is not asking us to give to the poor so that we will get to heaven He's asking us to give to the poor because they are sisters and brothers fellow children of father Abraham and of God That was dives sin Now, as this story ends and as we think about the ramifications, it it might feel like there's not a lot of hope left in this story. It doesn't end happily ever after for everyone. But let's look again. And if we look at this story again, maybe it helps us to ask, well, who are we supposed to be in this story? Are we supposed to be Lazarus, Dives, Abraham? Who are we really supposed to be here? Well, the fact of the matter is that most of us are not as powerful or as filthy rich or hold the keys to the important gates like Dives does. We are absolutely rich compared to those who live in poverty in the global community. Absolutely. But few of us are gatekeepers. Few of us have the power to, to change policies, to, to give enough to, to solve all ills or to solve every social ill. Few of us can do that on our own. None of us have the power on our own to persuade all hardened hearts to be more generous. In other words, I don't think we're meant to be dives. I think we're meant to be dives as family. I think we're meant to be his brothers and sisters on this side of life, that he wants to reach out to and share a word to us today. And if I'm correct about that, there's a lot of good news here. A lot of good news here. And I say this because if you recall, in his request to raise a dead man to go back to his brothers and sisters, Abraham told him it wasn't necessary he was also told that that chasm that, that existed between them and us, that, that chasm that represents sin and, broker, and broken relationships between us and God and Lazarus and each other, was not passable. But what was impossible, Christ has made possible. Not only possible, but Christ has made a reality Christ is able to close the gap that sin creates between us and God and between us and each other. Christ rose from the dead and came to us with a message. And that message was to care for the poor. And if you want to know what it looks like for God to come back, it is in your serving one another. In other words, Dives has spoken to us today. His message has been heard We in Christ on this side of life have been called to tell the world, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, that God is for them and to love one another. And we in Christ have been given a vision of eternal life. And sometimes we shrink at the the chasm that stands in front of us, but we have been shown how to cross over it. And we cross over that chasm with forgiveness and grace and mercy and generosity and compassion to make friends out of strangers. We no longer have to wonder what it is to get to heaven. We've been called to wonder what it is for heaven to come to us. Now I know and you know that we have a lot of important matters in life and in the church to deal with. We have important matters in our families and vocations. We have important matters to tend to as as a denomination, as institutions, and as the church. We work hard to care for loved ones. We, We work hard to try to retire with some level of security in a world that is not often secure. Many of us are just one crisis away from real trouble, and none of us, Or beyond becoming Lazarus at some point in life, it is possible. Even so, let us not be distracted and let us not ever be overwhelmed. Let's not be hard of heart. Let's not allow our important matters and important work to become a distraction and to create even wider chasms between us. The consequences in the kingdom are not acceptable. We must make room not only for Lazarus, but we must make room to come alongside him and welcome him and fully love him and each other. Now even as I say this, I realize that those important matters require a lot of important solutions and it's hard to know sometimes what the solutions to all the struggles we face in life are and i don't think today's story gives us any specifics on how to how to fix many of the problems that we face but jesus makes it clear that those gaps shouldn't be here in the first place they don't belong we have all we need in this world to feed to clothe and to shelter every person in the world we have everything we need to do it we lack nothing we have everything as a church that we need to share the love of God around the corner and around the world. We lack nothing. We have everything we need. We just need to know how to get it where it needs to be. We need those who have the gates, the keys to the gates that hold back resources to care for those that need to open the gates. We need this to happen on personal, local, and global levels. And it will take a level of sharing and sacrifice that we have rarely seen in this world. But there's one thing that we must do that we know to be true. There's an old rabbinical saying, I think, says it well, the answer to this question. It says that darkness does not end when the sun comes up or when someone lights a candle. The darknesses that we face will only end when we look into the the eyes of another person and see the divine. Only when we look at another person and know that they are God's creation will the darkness end. And Jesus wants us to look into the eyes of Lazarus today. Jesus wants us to look in the eyes of each other today and see the divine spark of God in all of us. So Lord, help us to see others not for what they've done. Lord, help us to see others not for what we think they should become, but help us to see them as you. Lord, help us to honor the commandments that we have been given to take care of those who are in need, but also, and more so, to honor the commandment to choose to love one another. And how much must we love God? How much must we love Lazarus? How much must we love each other? 100%.